You all right? Hell no, I'm not all right. You all right, lady? I hate machine guns. What's the problem? I hate machine guns. What are you yelling about? Yeah, when I get shot at by a 30 caliber M60 machine gun, I get scared. And when I get scared, I get angry. You! Hey, 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 hey. I want to know who's selling you punks machine guns. Hey, calm down, Tubbs. Calm down. I will not calm down. Machine guns affect my ability to perform, and I don't like that. Fast cars, flashy clothes, big money, heavy players, and the hot Miami scene. These were the main ingredients that made Miami Vice one of the most innovative shows of the 1980s. Journey with Tim and Mark as we take a peek into the drama series with an MTV feel on the Vice of Miami podcast. Everybody and welcome back to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number eight. We're glad you're joining us. This is Tim. And this is Mark. How are you doing? And we hope you enjoyed our last episode covering Miami Vice, One-Eyed Jack. Well, Mark, let's get going with episode number eight. Yes, let's get the show on the road. This is season one, episode seven called No Exit. It's written by Charles Lineweber and the teleplay was by Maurice Hurley and is directed by David Soule who was Detective Ken Hutchinson on Starsky and Hutch. If you remember a couple episodes ago, Paul Michael Glazer was the director. So Starsky and Hutch making a theme here, I guess. Our original air date is November 9th, 1984. And now we're on to the plot summary. Pretty basic here. Crockett and Tubbs reluctantly help government agents in their pursuit of a dangerous arms dealer. And that music can only mean one thing. It's time to highlight the guest stars and list the co-stars for this episode. I'll start off, Tim. First, we have Walter Bruce Willis as gunrunner Tony Amato. He was born March 19, 1955. He's an American actor, producer, and singer. And he's most famous for his role as John McClane in the Die Hard films. He made his TV debut on Mammy Vice, where his tough guy persona was highlighted. And it pretty much stuck with him throughout his career so far. He also performed the song Respect Yourself for the episode Lend to Be in the Air. His TV credits, along with Miami Vice, include Moonlighting, in which he won an Emmy, and Friends, where he won another Emmy. Some movie highlights are the Die Hard films, Ocean's 12, Look Who's Talking 1 and 2, Pulp Fiction, 12 Monkeys, Fifth Element, Armageddon, and The Whole Nine Yards, and its sequel, The Whole Ten Yards. Willis is the eldest of four siblings. He was married to Demi Moore in 1987 and divorced in 2000. They have three daughters. He remarried again in 2009 with Emma Hemming, and they have two daughters. All right, Mark, next up, we have Norman Parker as FBI agent Nick Pappas. Parker, an American actor, was born in Brooklyn, New York. His career started on the gothic soap opera Dark Shadows in 1969, then remained in the soap opera genre with roles on Ryan's Hope, As the World Turns, and The Edge of Night. After his vice appearance, Parker appeared in the TV series Family Ties, Baby Boom, Valerie, Falcon Crest, 
Beverly Hills 90210, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, among others. His last recorded role was in the movie The Medicine Show with Annabelle Gertwich in 2001. Next up, we have Tom Maradosian as FBI Agent McIntyre. He's born March 19th, 1955. Tom's American actor. Mardosian was born in Buffalo, New York, who later was a part of the Army Special Forces, where he developed a love for acting. After he left the Army, he appeared in productions in Buffalo, as well as on Broadway. He made his TV debut in a 1980 movie, Seizure, the story of Kathy Morris. Some movie credits include Tootsie, Betsy's Wedding, Wall Street, and he appeared in the series Oz, as well as Law and Order and Blue Bloods. He returned to Miami Vice in the episode Streetwise. He married actress Frederica Meister in 1984 and has two daughters. Next up is Coty Mundy is the stage name of Andy Hernandez, who played the gunrunner Ramon. Born in 1963, he is an American actor and musician. He has three Miami Vice episodes to his name. This episode in Smuggler's Blues and Everybody's in Showbiz. Born in New York and raised in Spanish Harlem, he started his music career in the 70s, being part of two big bands. He made his acting debut in 1983's Get Crazy, later in Against All Odds and Crush Groove. Mundy continued to act and produce music after his vice appearances, including roles in Who's That Girl, Mo Better Blues, Carlito's Way, Car 54, Where Are You, among some titles. Mundy is still active behind the camera as well as in front of it. Speaking of Against All Odds, didn't Phil Collins do the music for that, Tim? Yes, he did. The The title song, he yep. sure did. Okay, moving on, Bill Swickowski as Gun Dealer. That's all it's listed as, as Gun Dealer. Born August 4th, 1945. He's an American actor. He made his acting debut on Mammy Vice. He made his film debut along Michael Mann in Manhunter. He has an extensive film and TV history. In TV... He played on Equalizer, NYPD Blue, Third Watch, Law and Order, 30 Rock, among others. In the film, he starred in Takedown, Quiz Show, Warrior Road, and others. We now have Catherine Borowitz as Rita Amato. Born in Chicago, she's an American actress. She made her TV debut in this episode, but made her acting debut in World According to Garp. Borowitz appeared in several TV series such as Evergreen, Hot House, Law and Order, and Amazing Stories. In films, she appeared in Baby Boom, Internal Affairs, Men of Respect. Her most recent movie appearance was 2014's The Sweet Blood of Jesus. Borich married John Turturro in 1985 and has two children. Here are this episode's co-stars. Vinnie Curto as Tony's bodyguard. Al Garrison as Gentile. Julio Machoso returns as Metro Dade policeman, resident tech, Lester Costco. Now let's highlight the music making an appearance in this episode. First up, we have Stay With Me by Teddy Pendergrass. That's when Amato is slapping Rita around in the house. I Don't Care Anymore by Phil Collins. That's when Crockett and Tubbs bust Amato. And the Jan Hammer music is Airport Swap. That's when Dupas and Tubbs are switched at the airport. Now we're going to move on to our etc. the Goofs Facts locations. First up, uh, we have when Crockett grabs the arms dealer at the beginning of the episode and throws his Daytona into reverse. The man is very obviously played by stunt double when Crockett spins his car to a halt and throws the man to the floor. When Crockett and Tubbs and Lester go to Bugamato's house, Lester says they have 30 seconds from when he opens the door 
to deactivate the alarm before it goes off. In real time, it takes less than more than 50 seconds to find and shut off the alarm. Now we have a few uh, locations for you here. First is the Winter Haven Hotel, Ocean Drive and 14th Street, where the opening gun deal takes place. And its next location, which will be on the YouTube version, and we'll put it on the Facebook page, is Jose Marti Park at 351 Southwest 4th Street near 2nd Avenue at the Miami River. That's where Crockett heads off and poses as the hitman. Then we have Shipyard uh, Southwest 2nd Avenue, and this is the ship scenes for the arms deal. Neat fact within this, the ship Kyoko's Express, the ship on which the arms deal and shootout takes place, was used in four episodes and then sunk in November of 1985. It's now an artificial reef under 250 feet of water, about one mile offshore of Pompano Beach. Okay, it's time for the trivia section of our show. In our show number seven, we asked, what did Crockett compare fishing to? Well, here's your answer. Hey, buddy, what's this? Well, these are what's commonly known as a fishing rod. People use them to fish with. Uh, 10 o'clock at night and you want to go fishing? It's called sanity maintenance, Tubbs. <laughs> All right, and then this week's trivia question is, at the beginning of this episode, Castile calls off the surveillance. Then he pans the Crockett saying he will pick up Tubbs and Zito. Over Crockett's right shoulder in the background is an address to a building. What is that address? You can post your answers on this episode's Facebook post or you can email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com. We will air some of the answers. This is for fun. No prizes. This is our discussion part of the show. We'll go over pretty much scene by scene a little bit and hit some other good plot points. Uh, Tim, here we go again, starting off pretty much most of Vice. They're at a stakeout. Um, They're waiting for a seller of some guns and grenades to show up. Some of Vice's in vehicles on foot in our buildings. And we see Switek having fun as usual with his radio etiquette. Uh, I thought this was uh, kind of goofy. I'm surprised that he really wasn't busted on by Castillo for the radio chatter other than um, off Schwey. I have no idea what he meant by that. I don't know what you think, Tim. Off Schwey. Yeah, I don't know either. Schweinhunt, isn't that German? If it's not German, it it sounds maybe a little bit more uh, Jewish. And maybe he's just, and that could be, you know. Who knows? Shut down, quiet down type of thing, you know. Nickname for him, or it could be a nickname from right. Tim, I have a question for you. What does Zito ask for uh, the location of something at the beginning when him and Tubbs were sitting down at the bench by the old guys? You You know know what, Mark? I I cannot actually remember when he said it might have been something too quick. So maybe you can uh, fill us in on that. It was really quick and it was kind of quiet. I don't think they were, uh, the camera was on him when he said it. I'm not 100% positive. But he goes, Where can I get a good coffee? Cafe Cubano around here. Where can we get some Cafe Cubano around here? I just thought that was kind of funny. 
just another good trivia question. It's the, um, the Zito and Switex shtick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Trying to sucker uh, t- Tubbs into it. Tubbs is probably like, yeah, I ain't having none of you, boy. I, I know we discussed this before, and it, uh, you brought this up, and we think the scene appears to be on or near the grounds of the retirement community, which made it difficult for uh, for Vice, you know, should should something jump off, basically too many citizens around. And knowing now, because I was just recently there in March, this is a very, very, very gentrified area. I mean, back then, yeah, you have the Art Deco buildings, right? A lot of people from Cuba coming over, kind of bolstered up. But I'm thinking back then it was pretty much just a neighborhood that was mostly old people, not necessarily retirement community, but just, you know, cheap apartments, I'm guessing. So, exactly. yeah, I would like into that because, you know, the whole thing that made this difficult for him too, you had, like it looked appear to be an aerobics class going on. So mm-hmm. it's just the potential for a lot of body shields, if you want to call it human right. shields, if need, if that need to, needed to happen, you know, again, if something jumped off, if mm-hmm. they get the drop on whoever they're making a body from and they're going to, the bus is going to go down. You got too many people there that went, you know, the perps could grab onto and uh, use them as a hostage or, or, right. or shield. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, you said people doing aerobics, and I knew they they do have a gym area there. And then Castillo, pretty much on his first stake out here with Vice, he calls it a bust essentially, and he kind of starts closing up the shop. Okay, guys aren't showing up. Let's let's pack it in. Let's move on. Um, and finally, these goofballs show up with the with their allegedly their grenades. Crockett's looking to buy some grenades. You know, he flashes some cash, and then all of OCB moves in to make the bust. More um, marked units roll up. And it's pretty much a gunfight at the South Beach Corral. Uh, one perp's nabbed, and two others get away, firing off a, pretty much a submachine gun from the back of the van. And Tim discussing Castillo being like, I think you said, Clean Eastwood? He he saunters up where Tubbs, if, if everybody could remember that Tubbs was protecting a bystander by using himself as a shield. He was all jacked up because obviously he didn't like this machine gun fire. Castillo just saunters up. He's got this big, he's holding his big can in his hand and he just looks at him and he goes, you all right? And then obviously, you know, he was cool, calm and collected. Like it was another day's work to be in this stream of M60 bullets. But Cubs, nah, not so much, especially ones being fired at him. And then this is where he just starts going on this rant. And it just seems again, like forced acting by Philip Michael Thomas. Right, exactly. And if you notice when he actually has this guy by the scruff, he kind of looks up kind of away from the guy. And I swear he's got to be looking at the script or something like that because it just wasn't natural. He wasn't like looking at Crockett or Gene or anybody else. He just looks kind of up and off to the side a little bit. If you you know this episode, go back and take a look at it. Yep, and and, and speaking of Gina, her and Trudy, you know, Gina was in it very, very – Briefly right. at the beginning, and Trudy, not so much, not at all, from what right. I remember. What, what, was she up um, up upstairs with them, with um, Castillo? I think she was up there, and I then mean, Gina but, was downstairs. I don't know. And no, Maybe, but there was wrong. no, there was no speaking part on her part. So right, just just right. a little note on that. And within this guy, they uh, the guy they nabbed, he gives up some names: Gentile, Ramon, and Antonio Amato. Castillo and Kraken and Tubbs are wondering why Amato is a big time, who's a gun, a big time gun dealer. Why is he selling on the street? Right. He was an international gun merchant and a smuggler. So, you know, they're wondering like, why is he doing street level business? He would be something bigger, you would think, you know, to some grenades. Well, who cares about grenades, right? Right, exactly. You know, then we find out that, you know, a warrant gets issued for surveillance on Tony Amato's house and... OCB sets up the camp. And if you remember, they were 
they they waited out until Amato and his driver leave the house and then they move in and they brought Lester with them to start doing his magic, setting bugs around the house. They get in there and Lester says, you know, we got at least 30 seconds to find a disabled arm panel, which he found in the kitchen, I believe. You know, in, in the meantime, Crockett and Tubbs are snooping around for whatever info they can get on uh, a model. And I remember Crockett picked up a magazine that I think was like an anarchy or anarchist right. type magazine. Exactly. It was kind of like um, guns for sale, you know, a catalog, like a like old Sears catalog, you know, Christmas shopping. Pick yep, up your toys. He, and he, he, he made reference that way. A funny little thing I noticed within this, um, I think this episode started it, and I think there's got to be several more. If you if you notice in the back the background music they have playing it's in horror movies, you know, we get the violins, violin screeches, you know, weep, yep. weep, weep. I've noticed in Mammy Voice during tense scenes like this, they've got that um, synth and piano kind of like plinks. <laughs> Here you go. I'll play the sound for it. Play the sound here, but for everybody. Yep. Yeah. I, I I did notice that in a couple of times. And then while they're there at a mile's house, they notice they could set up a St. Vitus dance right in the water, right by the house. I mean, it's it couldn't be any more perfect. Now they're on now they're on a St. Vitus dance and they're at the start of their surveillance. And while they're first watching Amato's house, they notice, and I think it I'm pretty sure it was Tubbs that said, Hey, there's somebody out there watching Somebody's watching me. Watching me, watching them type of thing. Uh Uh-oh. What is it? Yeah, I see some turkey over there watching me, watching him. What? Yeah, take a look. Let me see. Hey, we got company. Federal agents. Buddy, stay right where you are. Back it down, Slim. Miami Vice. Miami Vice. What are you doing here? Stakeout. What are you doing here? Who are you staking out? Tony Armada. We're here to take over your operation. We're in place. You're not. That's easily changed. Can have your bugs cleaned out and ours installed by tomorrow. And then up comes the someone on a boat, and guess who it is? It's the feds. Yep. And they, they seem to be sniffing around everything Vice does, at least in these first few episodes of here, right? Yeah, exactly. They're they're on top of them, and to me, they're trying to trying to piggy, piggybacking on top of mm-hmm. uh, their investigations. Right. They're pretty uh, much barking up the same tree in in the motto. You know, yes, they want to, exactly. And, and then they're just going back and forth. And obviously Crockett and Tub, they're reluctant to work with them. And, you know, the feds were basically just looking to take a model down for breaking into a National Guard armory and stealing Stinger surface-to-air missiles, which we later learn is 10 in total. They said, you know what, we get them for that. You could do whatever else you want with them. You know, if you want to get them on the uh, the grenades or whatever, whatever you want to do with a model, you could take them down after that. So they're, they're working all nice and war- they get, they got their warm and fuzzies going. All right. So th- they're all set up, you know, while they're watching, they see Rita, who's Tony Amato's wife. She's kind of getting the verbal smackdown, And then she finally gets pushed into the pool by a model, you know, didn't like the way she was dressed or something like that. It's a formal. You get in there. What do you want me to wear? What do I care? Whatever you wear, get a button it wrong. Why don't you just go without me? Yeah, you want something to wear? Please! <laughs> there you go! Will you get dressed? Sounds like he's killing her. What's he doing? He pushed her into the pool. He's got- and they're all kind of wondering, you know, who is this scumbag? And Crockett, you know, brings up the point, you know, I didn't come a cop to spectate. 
And then going back to the past few episodes in which eventually when someone's being smacked around, again, they're going to move in some way. But unfortunately, this way, they're not moving in right away. They overhear Amato saying he has to meet someone, uh, Dupas, at the airport tomorrow. And lo and behold, he doesn't know what he looks like. Much like uh, Ludovici Armstrong in Calderon's Return. So, of course, Vice is going to play on this. And who's the best person to play someone from the Caribbean, Tim? It's going to be Tubbs, absolutely. Yes. You know, and it's, it's funny that you bring that up about Ludovici Armstrong. It just seems like the way... In those couple episodes, uh, the way the writers did it, they made it easy for the OCB team to insert themselves in an undercover role. And as we go along with these episodes, we'll see we'll if see they continue more. to do that and make it easy for them. But before late, uh, Vice leaves, they hear a phone call that uh, Rita is making to set up a meeting with someone. Uh, she's talking, I think, I guess her friend. Yes, but a then friend. She wa- right. She wants to set that friend to set up a meeting with someone pretty much. Sonny and Tubbs think that she wants to arrange a hit on her husband, brokered by this friend. What was that all about? Offhand? I'd say Rita just made a decision to have her husband killed. The feds pretty much disagree. They have no basis to think that. Uh, But again, Vice thinks it's pretty much just to set up a hit on Tony. And obviously they want to intervene. Do you want me to set up a meeting? Gentlemen, gentlemen. Listen to the tape again. She's going to ice him. I don't make that correlation. And we don't have any more time for your passion plays, detective. Now we're at the airport. And this is where Vice is waiting for the real Dupas to arrive. And what you know, Tubbs is just the right look for Dupas. You got Zito and Switek that gun poke this guy and get him to go into the restroom. So Tubbs can assume the role he just walked out and... I believe you you said you liken this to the movie Silver Streak in which right. Gene Wilder is a wanted and, man and Richard Pryor has Gene disguise himself as a black man. Right. Do you, do, did you see that at all? Yes, I remember that. It's okay, been a long so you time know, since I've seen it. Right. The, he, I guess in the newspapers and then um, he got some uh, shoe, shoe polish or something that um, mm-hmm. Gene had to put on. And he comes, Gene comes out of the restroom just like Tubbs did. The same strut and the same attitude except Tubbs wasn't going, yep, yep, do that, yep, yep, do that. Listen to the radio. It's down on the key. Number one, baby. Right. And you got, (laughs) now you got, as I call him, Rico Dupas goes with the model's driver to do a meet and greet with what what eventually becomes a a, a Tony Amato. Fast forwarding, they're on St. Vitus dance outside uh, Amato's house here. Crackett overhears Rita on the phone with who we find out is Jimmy Eureka. Is this Jimmy Eureka? Who wants to know? I was given your name by a mutual friend. She said I might be able to meet you somewhere. There's a park on Fulton Street. I know the one. Be at the southeast corner in an hour. Who is supposed to be a hitman to take out a model. Uh, She's going to set up a meeting at the southeast corner of a park on Fulton Street. They set up the time and a place. Crackett hears this, so he's like, hey, okay, um, first of all, we I think he's starting to get emotionally attached. I'm sure you do, Tim. Yes, he was. Um, just like Crockett does. But uh, Crockett hears this, and he's like, hey, I'm going to devise myself to assume Eureka's role at the meeting. Perfect, right? So now, now Sonny ends up going to the park ahead of time. He finds Eureka, flashes the badge, and tells him to beat it. So Rita meets up with Crockett, and Crockett, a.k.a. Eureka and give him the lowdown on amount on what he has done in the past to people who have tried to help Rita leave him because this is not the first time. Uh, you know, obviously this has been a long-standing abusive marriage, and 
she finally had her fill. But one of the, you know, one of the things she talked about was when she hired a divorce attorney, Tony finds it out. And I believe he tried to, you know, he was going to try to buy the guy off and they weren't going to have any, any, no part of that. This guy wasn't, this lawyer wasn't going to have any, no part of that. So he has goons or himself, it really was not clear there. And they worked over the, the attorney's wife just to, right. you know, did, did get they rid specif- of her. Did she specify that? She doesn't say what they did. I, I, no, she didn't I, say, I, I'm, I'm guessing they probably beat her up or they raped her. Right, One exactly. The, I mean, but he did something or he harmed her. And right. they basically told this woman, if your husband doesn't back down, you know, your kids are going to be next type of right. thing. We're so, going to do the same thing to your daughter. Tony says, is that so? And he hires these two animals and they follow the lawyer's wife until she's alone they get her when they were through with her they told her to tell her husband that if he didn't mind his own business their daughter would be next and yep, Rita so, doesn't want that and and that's where we make that assumption that he did right. he did something or had his goons do something physical to uh the divorce attorney's wife so right. she really you know Rita at this point starts just wavering and you know she really doesn't want to resign resigns herself to the fact I can't do this I can't go through with this and have him killed because you know I don't want other people to get harmed along the way right. she doesn't want you know she doesn't want that that's above all else she wants to leave this guy but she doesn't want anybody else harmed so at that point Crockett tells her you know I'm not really who you think I am tells her he's a police officer and tells her not to be sorry for backing right. down on wanting Tony to be ice because in reality had she made some type of an exchange with Sonny she would have got she would have got busted for right. she uh, would have had to do something yep for soliciting the services of a hitman exactly so they, they get her to OCB the officers there and they, they pretty much give her the lowdown on what's going on with Amato and why the feds and vice are wanting him so bad. Um, Sonny asks her to play as if it's business as usual for another couple of days. Give them time to form, to get their meetings done, to get their plans growing here, and pretty much to get a motto and to get these uh, these missiles. Uh, Castillo feels that um, feds are withholding something. Um, someone's waiting in the wings in Washington. Uh, wh- what do you think he meant by that, Tim? I mean, do you, do you think he had the forethought that they're going to just want a motto and not the guns and get the bigger guy. And they're just, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll do whatever. What do you think about that? Well, he, he was more honing and not on the feds that they were dealing with, which I'm assuming was the FBI. He's thinking somebody bigger, higher level, higher echelon type of organization is waiting in the wings. I mean, just in his oh, own higher, own uh, higher federal. Yes, higher federal. Definitely not a local level. It's definitely higher federal. Okay. He it's just you know it was just his example, a great example of his gut instinct that mm-hmm. you know as a veteran cop something's not something's going wrong here. I think he was thinking the FBI he's dealing with was not being super forthcoming about everything. Exactly. And I think that's a that's a longstanding local law enforcement fed, you know, just back and forth animosity type of thing. So, but I think right. he still had, if you want to call it, his spidey sense was out there. So now we're at the, the, the very short scene here, pretty much Tubbs slash Dupas Amato go to the beachside where Dil Gentil, Gentil teaches Tubbs how to use the stinger. And something's shot down. I'm, and I'm assuming it's a plane because we really didn't see anything. We just saw the explosion and then the, the one part of the missile 
I'll launch off in a different way. But right, and I, I remember there too when he's teaching him how to do it. Right, he showed him how he told him how you could disarm. The, you know, he you could disarm the missile or the explosive. To make it look like an accident. Just make it look like an accident. You know, right. that was a that was a big thing. So you know, obviously, whatever the real do, whoever the real do pass was, he was looking to do something big time with mm-hmm. this, and it's probably shoot down a plane. I mean, it's going to be some type of aircraft. You're using this right. stinger surface there missile. You're not using it to blast a, a high-rise building. Stuff. It's for something right, bigger exactly. than that. Well, they, they said at the beginning of this thing, they said you could shoot down a, what, a F-16 or something like that. And then later, like a few seconds later, I said you could bring down an airliner. Right, commercial airline. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think about? So fast forwarding to they're at uh, some sort of a bar. And the deal made pretty much is Tubbs renegotiating some aspects of it. Uh, Amato... He wants what I think uh, seventy five thousand for nine missiles, but Tubbs counters with sixty five because he's going to handle the transport himself. The price is seventy five thousand dollars each, as we discussed. So are we just talking here, or what? We're talking, but I'll take all the inventory after I inspect the merchandise. Then we'll talk about delivery. I don't believe it. What in the seventy five and seventy five? 65 if I have to handle transport. We're talking about port of entry, man. 67.5 and you got a deal. He's taking. He was going to have to handle it because Amato right. said, I don't do that. Exactly. So, you know, the onus is on Tubbs slash Dupas. So they finally agreed 67 and a half. This is where they tell, tell Tubbs where they stole the missiles from, which was the armory. And then they get to agree. Uh, they agree to meet the next day and see the complete inventory because Tubbs really didn't want to bring money. Hey, no money, no, you know, no guns, no money. Yeah. Gentile and Ramon were national guard. They were mm-hmm. put on some type of guard, guard duty by one of their superiors. And that's what right. gave the access to Amato to get in there and steal the stingers. So now we move on after that to another scene where we have Amato and Rita in there in the home again. And he gives her some jewelry and basically it's, I think it's makeup jewelry for Toss her in the pool, but then he gets he goes off again and he and he slaps her around. And this is where Crockett's watching from the St. Vitus, and he's you know really torn about this, you know, because he can't right. move in and he just says to himself, I'm sorry, Rita. I thought this was cheesy, you know, forced acting or cheesy acting out. Maybe I'll call it by Sonny, like uh, Tubbs does. You know, he, he kind of smacks and holds this this pole or whatever was in St. Vitus dance, and he kind of squeezes it. Really cheesy. Right. Just, you know what? You know, something better to, okay, if he's having an emotional bond with, with Rita, which, which whatever, that's, Crackett does sometimes. I, I, they just could have done something better. This was just so cheesy and corny. Right. And you know what? I think a lot of, when you're talking about the emotional attachment with him, you know, very first episode, Brothers Keeper, he loses a, you know, a good partner. I think it's one of these things he's got that in him. I don't want to lose another person, even though he didn't really know Rita. Right. He became emotionally attached to idea of her getting hurt or killed on his watch. And he did not want, he doesn't want that again. He doesn't want another, uh, Eddie, uh, death on his hands. Right. Exactly. At OCB, the feds pretty much wanted to stop. They want to pull the plug on the operation and get a motto now for being linked to the M60 in the van at the beginning here. But all of Vice, they pretty much want to wait and actually see the merchandise. Castillo's very skeptical here and questions if the feds have another angle they're working. Are you out of your mind? Damn it, we can't pick them up. Oh, yes, we can. 
We've got a hook on the van with the M60 and the Spence Stinger tubing. Off the threat of a 10-year fall for that, we can leave the location of the other nine missiles out of them right now. We're this close. This close. We can have a motto. We can have it all. Getting those missiles off the streets is what this operation has been about from the start. We cannot risk losing this opportunity. There's something about this deal that Jim told us. Another element, maybe? No. Why? Your eyes. I want the stingers off the street. They deny it, of course. They agree to wait until after the meeting with the missiles. So moving forward, after some sort of phone call, Amato finds a bug. And then Tubbs, while on St. Vitus Dance, pretty much jumps into action and calls the house as Dupas to say, hey, what's up, essentially? He says, you know, you got surveillance on me or I'm being surveilled. I'm being followed. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting on a plane. I'm getting out of here. So he's leaving town now. He spotted the bug. What are you going to do? I'm trying to save this thing, man. Come on, answer it. Yeah. It's Dupas. Don't talk. I'm not talking, I'm not walking, man. I'm flying right out of here. What is this kind of trick bag you got me backed up into anyway? What? If they got surveillance all over me, you can consider me and my money gone. No, 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 no. The deal can go down right now. What are you talking about? I can't talk. Listen, meet me where we picked you up. In one hour. In an hour. And then Tony presses to meet him and meet see the merch now. Uh, we'll get this done. We'll get it going on now. Um, he seems in a panic that the deal gonna fall through. And then cue the plinky music. I'm gonna call it. And now we now we move on to the airport where where they're gonna make the make the deal for money for stingers. And this is where Tony and and Tubbs Dupas meet and head to the men's bathroom. And in there, Tony frisks Tubbs and says, "Just checking." And then you know. Just checking. Just checking. Tubbs or Dupas is dismayed by this, and he pull he he whips uh, a model around. And he does the same thing, you know. And a model's stunned by why how dare somebody do this to him? Uh, just checking, man. Just checking, man. Exactly. <laughs> and then they go on. They're gonna make the deal. Uh, you know, there's a cash, and then they leave to go to where the remainder of the stingers are now. It was 10 that were stolen, but only nine is in the deal because they fired one off in the demo. Right. So they're at the, they're on the move. Zito and Switek are following and they pretty much have a visual of Tubbs and Tony getting onto the boat there. Zito, uh, uh, Crockett pulls up and then Zito and Crockett sneak aboard the boat. Exchange goes down. But the feds said what they did, what they said they were going to do. They swoop in, but they've got their megaphones blurring and muck up pretty much a smooth plan so far. Uh, they again, they did say they'll wait until the merch meeting. Here we go with the gun battle. Uh, the gun battle is, ensues, and then Tubbs uh, nabs Amato. Amato is pretty much done. He's a cop because you know Amato, this international uh, gun and dealer and smuggler. He, he was had, he was had by local law enforcement and. Exactly. You know, he just he can't believe it. Not at right. all. So, you know, after that after that scene, you know, they're taking him into custody and they're gonna take him to the courthouse probably for his arraignment. Crockett calls Rita to say, Hey, we got a motto, and then when she asks if he's dead, he says no. She knows it's not gonna be good for her because I just think she knows his MO that he's got juice. Right. He's gonna snake his way out of this thing like he always does. And mm-hmm. then he's gonna it's just gonna continue with an abusive relationship that she seems to be unable to escape from. Right, right. Even if he goes into federal custody, you know, later on, she knows that 
he'll he'll find some way. Either he'll do something to her or his goons will, right? Yep. So here we here we go. Um, you know, next day at the courthouse, pretty much walking up the steps there with Crockett Dubs and Castillo. You know, uh, Amato's in custody, and then the Febs come out of the courthouse, and they demand because they have an order to release Amato to them as he's useful in getting the bigger gun supplier. Now, this um, is not the FBI Pappas. This right. is a whole different group, and these are who Castillo. This is who Castillo, right, it could be CIA. Castillo, this is what his major concern was about. This right. is what was nagging at him, and here they are stepping in to take this guy out of here and then here comes rita up and you know pretty much uh a model is smug uh, right you know i got the juice i got i got the juice yeah i got juice you can't get me you know Mm -hmm. rita comes there comes up the group she draws a gun and then then you get that freeze frame where uh sunny's screaming no i try to tell you fellas i got the juice rita and And we're assuming he got shot yep we're making the assumption that he got that uh rita killed her abusive uh husband okay let's briefly go over the ratings ratinggraph.com and imdb both give this an 8.2 tim i give this another thumb sideways it's good overall. I like it. We get to meet uh, Bruce Willis in his uh, persona as a tough guy pretty much throughout his career. But the intensity as past episodes, I don't think is really there. We'll get into it, but even, uh, or we discussed, I should say, with Tubbs's forced acting. Even Crockett had some forced, I want to lean towards cheesy acting when he's watching and hearing Rita being smacked around. Uh, that's when he talks to himself and he smacks and grabs that pole on St. Vitus Dance. It, it was good, but again, he, I just found it lacking. You know what, Mark? I actually like this episode and gave it a thumbs up. And it's mainly because of Castillo's character coming into his own mysterious way. Especially when after he had the machine gun coming out of the van there like that, T- Tubbs is on top of an innocent bystander protecting her and up walks Castillo in this dirty, airy type of way. And he asked him, you're all right. And also, you know, I really like you could start seeing the instincts of a veteran cop play out when he became suspicious of someone that he thought was waiting in the wings in Washington. It was just something gnawing at him. But, you know, overall, it was a straightforward plot where a small buy led to a bigger takedown in the end. Okay, we've come to the part of the show where we hope to inspire or enlighten. We've officially named this nerds chalkboard of wisdom. In both the world of Mammy Vice and our current world at large, we encounter many challenges we work to overcome in the interest of creating a family and friendly atmosphere through the show and on our social media platforms. We'd like to offer some parting thoughts, a simple quote, phrase, or words of encouragement, or a funny quip to you, our listeners, because without you, our friends, we'd just be talking to ourselves. And we say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show. This show's quote is from Richard and Robert Sherman two brothers who wrote many songs for Disney. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, and tomorrow's just a dream away. Yes, it is, Mark. Yes, it is. And with that, we'd like to bring this episode of the Vice of Miami podcast to a close. Mark and I appreciate each and every one of you listening. We hope you enjoy what we have to offer in our shows. Please spread the word about us and comment and rate us on your podcast platforms. 
We'll see you next time for Vice of Miami show number nine, where we discuss episode eight, The Great McCarthy. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Vice of Miami Podcast or email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com. Please rate us and comment on the episodes and spread the word about the show. On YouTube, press the like button and hit the subscribe bell.